0: Baruch ata Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bachar bin vi'im tovim, beratza vedivreihim Hane be'emet. Baruch ata Adonai, haboker batorah, uv Moshe abdo, uv Yisrael amo, Uvin Vieha Emet v'zedek, in the merit of Mashiach Yeshua. Amen. Well, Baruch, baruch ha-bah Adonai, this is the Haftarah p- podcast for Parsha Ekev. And so, without further ado, let us continue. So I'll hand it over to Hasis Baz. Uh,
1: Shem, it's going to be back on. Um, like I saying we're, we're, we're uh, covering in the Haftarah of constellation, which we read all, all the way uh, going up to, to Rosh Hashanah. This is our, our second Haftarah of Consolation and Haftarah of, of Ekev. And this is all about Hashem never forgetting Zion and the, the struggle and and the exile, and you know we we have all this this confusion. Hashem says, "I'm never going to forget you. and ultimately i'm I'm gonna come and comfort you. And so from 14, forty nine, fourteen twenty six and chapter fifty, one eleven, and fifty one, one to three. So our first section says Zion's reproach to Hashem and Hashem's reply and goes into the division of a multitude of Jews returning to Zion, verses 24 and 26, about Hashem subduing any nations opposing him. And chapter 50, to begin chapter 50, we go into Hashem waiting for the Israelites to Shuva. Four through nine, Yeshayahu explains that he's, fully, he's a fully competent prophet. And then in 50, verse 10, all the way into like 51, verse 3, it's about um, how the Jewish people, how we can always rely on Hashem's promises, and so that's kind of encapsulating this half Torah in a and a quick, quick little summary. Bruch Hashem. So we got links to our, our, our seasonal years. You know, the, like we mentioned, in the second of the half Torah's constellation was described various aspects of the future, um, how redemption and and. Uh, very aspects of the future redemption and like all these glowing colors, and mentions like this whole—it's like this whole idea of a, this dazzling kaleidoscope.
2: Kaleidoscope.
1: Um, this dazzling kaleidoscope of of just these different events in the the re- redemption taking place, and all these predictions actually serve to to strengthen our belief in and Yeshua and in the salvation that's going to hopefully come about
0: uh, in the near future. Amen. May it be. Oh, man. And so is uh, the
1: Minarchast it starts out with a question. Okay. We want to dive into this, and it says, you know, since we're talking so much about Xeon, ask this question. It says, who, not what, but not where, but who is Xeon? Oh. Okay. And so, it's it's interesting to note that. You know, Zeon has the same gematria as as Yosef.
0: That is correct.
1: One fifty six. You know, there's the same uh, by the rabbinim. You know, rabbis that uh, whatever happened to Zeon actually happened to Yosef. Come on. And so there's this this concept of uh, you know what you know what what is Yosef doing with Zeon? Hmm. And he has completely attached himself to, to this, this aspect of Zion. And when we think Yosef, you know, we think Mashiach ben Yosef. And we have this, this idea brought by in, within the Besorah, um, where Yeshua, Yeshua himself, as Mashiach ben Yosef, comes and associates himself with Zion. You know, he, he mentions this idea of, of tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it up in three days. It mentions of this this idea of, of how long do you oh, Jerusalem, how long do you gather as a hen gathers her chicks? Wow. You know? And so he has this deep association with Zion and, and just to stress the whole part about, you know, um, tearing down this temple, and he's referring to his, his body of course, but he's associating himself with the Beha Mikdash, which is really Zion in, in its most literal sense, is the holiest part of Jerusalem, which is the side of the Beha Mikdash wow and so um, so we have this, this idea and it's, it's kind of like how, how is what is this associated with Yosef with and Zion sorry with Meshit and Yosef and, and Zion well nice. it's interesting because they have the same gematra but they also have two of the same letters and uh. the other two letters are letters that come right after an alphabet so like the pay of Yosef and then the sadi of Zion. And then you have the noon of Zion and the, the summit of, of, uh, of Yosef. Mm. And so it's the sadi, sadi coming to the, the, you know, the pay, the whole Sadiq, the sadi is referring to the Sadiq, the righteous one who opens his mouth in order to rebuke and teach. And so you have the pay, pay of Yosef is the open pay symbolizing the open mouth. And you see a lot of Yeshua in his last days, as, as his, in his rolesmanship and Yosef, he was the sadiq who descended, the role of the sadiq who descended the world, and, and to guide, guide the world and, and lift them up to his teaching, and rebuke them, and guide them, and encourage them, inspire them. And this is actually what you see him doing when he is truly, truly, deeply associated with himself with Jerusalem and, and Zion uh, as he approaches his final days. And he goes into Jerusalem and, and preaches this message of, of repentance. Beautiful. And you also have this connotation of the noon and going to the psalmic the of Yosef and just comparing how Yosef is related to, to Zion and that the noon is, is like the final noon. It's related to the word like nephal, like you know, heard of the nephilim, the fallen ones. Right. right? And so the idea of of the one who's fallen for the sake of what the next letter after that, that's in Yosef's name, that's not in Zion's name, is the Samic, which spelled out means to support.
0: Wow. And so you have the the
1: one who's fallen literally from, from his, his high place to, or in order to support the world. Wow. To literally be the foundation stone of the world. And it's just interesting because, you know, you have a, have a support for this precedent in the, in the Torah and, and the the story of, of Yaakov's ladder. And he, he lays all the rocks together. Like there's, there's 12 rocks for the 12 tribes of Israel and says they became one rock. And Turkey, the Rabbi actually comments that this rock actually sunk into the earth and became the foundation stone. Hmm. And so you have this, you have this idea of that's hidden within the Torah of the one that's that the idea of falling is associated with this idea of of actually being able to lift up and support support the world. Wow. And so this is actually along uh, along lines of you know why we're in this this exile. Um, you know one of the ideas is to really bring in bring in the converts. You know redeem all these fallen sparks. And so we have fallen from our, our place of glory, but that's end up to be a support for the world and to bring them into the covenant uh, this is also in, in our personal lives when we go through different you know uh, traumas and tragedies, you know we end up end up suffering our suffering actually lifts up like like everything around us, the entire world people closest to us and, and people we may not even know and so this is part of the aspect of this comfort of of when we suffer, we're actually relating to Mashiach's uh, mission as Mashiach ben Yosef and, and his association with Zion, with Jerusalem, and, you know, the side of the, the Holy holy Temple. That is beautiful. And so, there's this also beautiful energy, you know, <clears throat> because we know that majority of the world does not know Mashiach as as uh, as Yeshua. Right. They know him as, as I would say JC, but you know, the world would say Jesus. Right. And if you look at, look at that name, that is a Greek name. Correct. And so what's really interesting with his association with um, Zion is if you separate those letters, you have a, a Sadi, when we mentioned that the Sadi is representative of the Sadiq who descends from his level in order to elevate the world. And then you have Yud, Vav, and Nun. And this is, uh, you could rearrange the, the vowel part of this to get Yavan, which is, which is Greek and Hebrew. Wow. <laughs> and so his very <clears throat> association, if you look at Mashiach, Mnosef's association with Zion, and what it entails is not just his, his suffering, at you know, uh, at the hands of you know, at the execution stake or anything like that. It's it's his, his willingness to have his image degraded oh. for the sake of for the sake of people coming in.
0: For the sake of people coming in, really?
1: Yes.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> you know, because you know, we, you know uh, servant is not greater than his master. Whatever he goes through, you know, we will also have to go through. And oh. so we see Yeshua; he is in exile.
2: Good. He's
1: associated with something beyond the Sadiq and Yavin, and um, you know. And so we're we're that place too. We're we're surrounded in an area of, of you know really Greek culture. And um, I think you know part of the part of the comfort of that is that we we get to be close to him. We get to understand him on a deeper level. But this is the whole concept of, of who is Zion? Who is this? And so it's, it all relates to ship and Yosef. Know, it all relates to you know, what we see in our times with people uh, thinking Yeshua as, as a Greek, you know, the Sadiq who's cloaked as you know, Yavin as a Greek, but he's really Zion. He's really the, the, the site, the, the Holy of Holies, the one that's most beloved of Hashem.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, before you so move, this
1: is. Really oh go ahead, sorry.
0: I was gonna say before you move on from Zion, I would love to tag uh, whenever you're getting before you' getting ready to transition.
1: Yes, go for it.
0: All right, so you talk about the the noon, the fallen one, right? And then after mm-hmm. the noon comes the summit, which is the one who supports. And so I find yes. it very interesting that usually, We look at how, you know, Hashem speaks to himself, you know, when he considered making man or when he did creation or when Yeshua was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, you know, and it's like this conversation back and forth. Well, you know, seeing the Zadik, seeing Mashiach ben Yosef not only supporting those who are fallen, but supporting himself. You know, because we came across the uh, the passage in the Baisora, where the Angel of Hashem actually came to Mashiach in the Garden and uh, tended to him while he was in such distress. That was part of our mm-hmm. uh, Tisha B'Av studies, uh, not this year but the previous year. And so yeah. I'm kind of looking at this beautiful picture of, like. The the one who supports, not only does he support himself, because Sukkah 52a brings down that Mashiach ben David uh, asked Hashem of life and life everlasting so that he could resurrect Mashiach ben Yosef, because he saw Mashiach ben Yosef fallen. So mm-hmm. you have that picture there of him supporting himself, but we read in our brakot every morning. Barukata HaTadonai Eloheinu Zokef which is, Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the Universe, who straightens the bent. And I was looking at straightened, who straightens the bent, which is Hashem, and then the fallen one uh, is connected to Tehillim 145, verse 14, because it puts... God, which is Hashem, supports all the all who are falling, and He straightens all who are bent. But that is actually connected to Tehillim 146 verse eight, and I was looking at some commentary here and the Midrash Tehillim, and when you look at this verse, um, it's actually. So like they say it's 146, verse 8, which is the bent. And it talks about here, opens the eyes. Hashem opens the eyes of the blind. He straightens all those who are bowed, and he loves the righteous. So that commentary brings down, God will heal those who are physically blind. Yeshua did that which is an aspect Mm -hmm. of supporting those who are fallen. And you talk about the name of Yeshua in its Greek form. It's deficient of the eyes. So we have this picture that Hashem will ultimately heal eyes so that everyone will be able to see Zion, see Yeshua. So the name will be corrected. And it says, alternatively, the psalmist refers to those who are psychologically blinded. By the darkness of distress, God will open their eyes by introducing the light of redemption. God will do this for the Jewish people who during their exile are described as blind. God removes obstacles from the path of the blind. So just this whole picture of the the Psalmist coming after the noon and then you have the pay uh, preceding the sadi. And, you know, putting all of that together is this beautiful picture of uh, restoring the fallenness, like supporting them and opening the eyes of the blind and bringing forth revelation, all of this coming through the light of redemption. So being able to truly see Zion, being able to truly see Mashiach ben Yosef, who is actually Mashiach ben David as well, because the two are one, just like Hashem and His name will be one, as we say in the Elena. Oh man.
1: yeah, that's that's amazing.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know.
1: How you clarify that and, and coming up to it, you know, just the whole you had that, that whole process of you you had to have Yosef attach himself to Xeon in order to 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 heal people, to like raise the fallen sparks, you know. That's right. Yeah. Incredible, man. And so yeah, you you definitely see that revelation with uh, Machep and uh, David as well, because we have you know the, a lot of this talk about Zion, which is such with Yosef, you know, within our half of the constellation, and you also have seven half of the constellation, right? And and was a common theme that you see in in these these half doors is there's always this, this double expression which was common for uh, Yeshayahu. You know, like you have uh, Nahum, Nahum. You know, and different things like that. Like comfort, comfort. Right. And, and so you take seven times two for all the double expressions in these half-tours, you get 14, which is the gematia of David. Mm. And so this is also, it's also the gematia of, of Yad, which is hand, which we're going to be talking about this whole idea, the uh, Zerashem of the how how messiah a mashiach is, is really uh related to the hand of god and elucidating that that idea within here. wow all right and so we have this this reply that starts off our um our half Torah 4914 and says spencer her children have all been exile, Zion complains, Hashem has forsaken me and my master has forgotten me. Oh. And so this is right after we we've just elucidated Zeon the the association of you know, Mashiach associating with uh the Behemiktash and the whole temple being destroyed to be rebuilt. Wow. And it's interesting that, you know, it was like why if he's forsaken me, you know, this you know parallels this whole concept Mashiach at execution stakes says, "Eli, Eli, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Wow. <laughs> and so I, I believe, you know, that that's a whole whole another um, in itself. But you know, it's it's my belief that you know Yeshua wasn't in a state of doubt. He was using this moment as his last teaching effort in order to instill, uh, instill, you know. Uh, fear and love of God in the hearts of the people so they would turn back them in Shuva to prevent what the, the, the destruction of the temple that was to come
0: Come on! Tag! And so, yeah, go for it, go for it The word for forsaking me Forsaken me Azavani Is actually two words Oz Beni The power of my son
2: so oh, well. just <laughs> yeah. just to yeah.
0: tag to what you're saying, like that's literally it. Like the the why is you yeah. forsaken me, it's not an act of, oh no, what's happening here? It's like, uh uh-uh. uh, check this out. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that that's just yeah, that's incredible. Because, you know, there's there's the
1: argument with Talmadim and you know, talking about their brothers is this, this is, you know, Rabbi, you know how long, how how many times shall I forgive my brother? And he says seventy-seven times, or seven times, seven times, depending on, you know, what what, what you know version of reading. But it's, right. it's seventy-seven. Yeah. Which is the gemacha of Oz, like the gemacha of strength, oh, which is what we we have here.
0: Snap.
1: And and so what happened there is you had yeah. Yeshua, you know, talking about you talking about the why have you forsaken, forsaken Hashem has forsaken me you know, there's an expression in the half Torah and says, uh, right. Made up of what you said, you know, like the word for strength and word for my son. Right. Hashem's son was, was showing him how many times, how much you must forgive your brother. Wow. To, to the point where you're literally laying down your life. Wow. Because it was the Sadducees who, you know, still part of the Jewish people. And we're actually going to touch, touch bases on, on that idea. Little later on, but it was the Sadducees probably the Jewish people who who captured him and who essentially encouraged you know Pilate, who was you know a wicked man in himself, but who encouraged him to to make the move to execute Yeshua and so wow, you know him saying that why have you forsaken me is this this teaching moment, and maybe referencing back to this half Torah like look, go back, look at the word, you know this is what it means to 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 show strength.
0: To lay down your life. Yes. So it's That's not the point we must forget about. So it's not a quantity, it's a quality. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the quality. Wow. The quality of forgiveness. Oh my word. Okay. <laughs> Whew. All right. <laughs> That yeah. was a Selah. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's different
1: interp- interpretations of this as well. Um, but, you know, the, this is Hashem's spoiler name, the name of mercy, appears at the beginning of the pasuk, but in the second part it changes to uh, Adonai, a oh.
2: uh,
1: name symbolizing justice. According to one explanation, Zion is wailing. When I originally began to sin, Hashem waited patiently for me to return to him and dealt merciful with me. Later, however, when I became brutal sin, he treated me strictly. Mm. Mm mm. And some response to Zion's fear that she was been permanently abandoned. Um and so you have this this idea too, you know, like Hashem came, you know, as uh Hashem, you know, like it's like Hashem has forsaken me, right? But it's still the name of mercy. Yes. And this whole idea of, of Yeshua like going in there like like it's bringing people, trying to bring people to the Yeshua before you had the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, before Hashem had to deal with them strictly. Mm. And, I mean, even that in itself was, was a mercy, but, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that here a little bit. Okay.
2: Um,
1: in our next verse, um, Hashem Hashim replies, you know, as soon forty nine fifteen, 49, 15, and he's like, essentially, I'm, I'm never going to forget you. Amen. I um we you know there's there's incident in this country um in September 11th 2011, you know 9/11. And you know after that tragedy took place there was this motto and it was it was never forget. Mm. And I remember those it was everywhere. it was like never forget. Right. And you know, I I think you know sometimes a lot of our fears. I know I'm talking about my personal personally, you know, of of going through different tragedies. It's 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 like this idea, like there's almost this, this scare of of you know everyone forgetting and and you're you're alone in this, you know, and you know a lot of times you know with, with you know the passage of time and, and different things like that, you know, it we get through it, it gets easier, but you know, like there's this idea like we'll never forget. That's always a part of part of our our story, right? You know, and part of the comfort is is the Shin says, you know, I'm I'm never gonna forget. You know, I'm never forgetting. So don't worry, you you'll never be alone. And when you're in your moments of pain, then you're close to me right now. Mm. Like this is this is our memory essentially, and so we have. It says Hashem cannot cut himself off permanently from the Jewish nation and leave them to their fate. And so, even in this like crazy exile where we're at, you know, we we think we might be lost. We think he might have forsaken us completely. But you know, just a, a cursory glance through uh, the prophets uh, like can restore our hope in that. You no, know, Hashem, Hashem's coming back. You know, Hashem's going to restore us, and we just got to keep this relationship alive. Um, interestingly, it says. You know, in the of the the Jews' dispersion among the nations is actually a kindness for them, for enables them to escape total annihilation. What? And says, yes, and so it says if the authorities of one country decided to wipe them out, the Jews find rel- uh, refuge elsewhere.
2: Mm-mm-mm.
1: And so you actually see this in you know uh, different aspects of, of the Holocaust. Wow. You know, the the people who stayed in in one place end up being you know rounded up but the people who saw the warning signs and got out um and they they scattered into different places they ended up finding refuge um and ended up like having you know a salvation from that that horrible horrible uh catastrophe
0: wow the dispersion is helpful it's a mercy to keep us from being completely annihilated. Yes. That is wonderful. So
1: you know, This is interesting, you know, we we have yeah, you know, we don't a lot of times because of our limited perspective perspective, you know, we don't see the blessing that's hidden within the curse.
0: True. And so
1: we got this next one says Forty-nine, sixteen. 16. See, I always remember you and visualize you clearly as though I engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your destroyed walls are always before me, and I have in mind to reestablish them. Okay. It's it an interesting idea. He says he's, he's engraved. He's it, engraved you on the palm of his hand. It uses
0: uh, the, the word k- there. It, what use, that? it uses the word chok. Yes. Do you want to throw something down? Uh, Sure. I just, you know, this is the word that's used for what was done to the tablets. You know, the sapphire tablets. And so oh, wow. we see here, we, know, we have known that Yeshua is literally a manifestation of the word of God because it says the word of God became flesh. But Hashem is also mm-hmm. showing us... he himself is actually those tablets. So Yeshua's hands being engraved is to make him match the tablets. So that the whole picture of Yeshua and Hashem being one, Hashem and his word, Torah being one, as brought down in the Zohar. And so here, even in the Haptor, it shows that. And Parsha behukotai, a mouthful, It's all about the engraving. So literally the word of God should be piercing us to cause us to bear marks just like the one who bears marks testifying about us. So having this whole picture here of the hook, which is a statute, which are the commandments that we say that seemingly make no sense. That truly shows the essence of who we belong to when we get beyond our limited scope and when we mark ourselves by what the Word of God should do to us and ultimately how the Word of God is supposed to be engraved on our hearts. So our very essence should be pierced, just like the hands of Mashiach, which is the very essence of Hashem.
1: Wow. That is, that is, like, extremely beautiful, man. That is, that's incredible. Like, the whole idea of, of Yeshua's piercings being, like, the engraving that's mentioned on the tablets. That's right. And yeah, just to support that idea, you know, actually, Minerash actually mentions here, you know, why is Hashem engraved the picture of Zion his, on his palms? Right. And since he, Hashem never fails to remember the Jewish people, um, just as a person cannot fail to, to notice the palms of his hands, but he mentions that at a deeper sense, it hints at the merits of the Jewish people, oh. which Hashem calls the mind their immersion in Torah, which was given by Hashem's hand. Oh. to Moshe's uh the they just and also the you know charity that is they with their hands. But it mentions, you know, the Torah <laughs> given from Hashem's hand.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: You just, so, you just wow, snuck that one in there. So you, you have Yeshua coming back, <laughs> you know, we just mentioned his, his association with Zeon, uh-huh. with the Hamikdash, the, And now he has this engraving, if, if you will, on his hands.
2: Mm-hmm. And so what is he saying there?
1: He's saying, look, I've, he's, if he's associated with Jerusalem, he's like, I'm, I've, I'm the one who's come to rebuild Jerusalem. Look at this, Feel the hands. Like and also the Torah, I'm the one who's came to fill the Torah. I will, I will, like come back just as I did now in the future and restore everything. Mm. And you know, it should be related, it's related to the word, chok, uh, uh, right? Like the chokhim, like these, 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 the rulings that we do not understand. Right. You know, something such a deep mystery. And so we hinted also, you know, the the, the Zion, same gemach as Yosef. Yes. And so this is this is what it's on the palm of a Uh The uh, Minrash mentions that. See different translations of the word kapaim is clouds.
0: Whoa. <laughs> mhm. Wow. Okay. That. That. Okay. Upon upon my upon my palm
1: come my my palms kaf palm, and so it says. The Pesuch indicates that Hashem visualizes Zion in his heavenly blow above above the clouds. And it says specifically, the image of our forefather Yaakov, the Sadiq, is engraved upon Hashem's throne of glory, mm-hmm. reminding him of the Jewish people's holy origin.
2: Mm.
1: So, that- uh, incredible. Um, also mentions this whole idea of uh, Yushalayim denotes a, like a double city. Yushalayim, you know, like Yadaim, a pair of hands, or Aznaim, a pair of ears. A and pair so you have the word Yushalayim, hence the Yushalim above, parallel to the city, and below. And so it says, um, because Hashem so dearly loves Jerusalem, he fashioned a heavenly counterpiece of above the clouds, which is always in front of him. When the earthly city oh. of Jerusalem was destroyed, so was the spiritual one. Oh. Its ruined walls are in front of Hashem, and he's awaiting to rebuild them. Oh my goodness! And I, want to, I want to jump a little bit, and we'll, we'll come back to a few of those. But okay, well, um, we, we mentioned this whole idea of what's in, what's engraved on the palms is, is Zion, right? You know, we mentioned how Yeshua has associated himself with his mission, Beshet with Yosef with Zion, and there's another Basso that actually clarifies who uh, this redeemer is. Because if you remember a while back, in, in another half tour we did, um, we read the, the midrash that, that mentions the hand of Hashem. Each finger corresponds to a certain thing: the redemption from Exodus, you right. know, the redemption from Egypt, the Exodus, you know, the Noah's, the pointing to Noah's Ark, the engraving of the tablets, and that in the future He's going to use His whole hand, His entire power, to redeem us. Right. And so His hand is literally associated with this aspect of redemption with this aspect of salvation. Wow. And the one of the next passages in, in in 49 uh Basuk 26 you actually have a hint of of the name of of who is going to redeem, who is going to bring this ultimate complete redemption.
0: Oh my goodness. And so this is
1: Verse 26, I will feed, and it's, it's in, in reference to, you know, punishing the nations. Yep. says, so I will feed the flesh of your oppressors, the beasts, and the birds of the prey will become intoxicated from drinking their blood, as from the wine of fruits. Then all flesh will know that I, Hashem, am your Savior, and your Redeemer, is the mighty one of Yaakov. And so this also hints to us, you know, we're, we're the majority of the world, um, will probably not know the the true name, the true identity of this redeemer, you know, un, until you know there is justice brought to to the nations. Wow. But and this verse says, "All flesh, all flesh will know that I Hashem am your savior." It's Ki Ani Hashem Moshiacha, and it's, really, it's, really, it's from the word Moshiach, uh, which is like my my savior. Oh, man. All right, Moshe-ay-na. Who Moshe-ay-na. Who is our Savior? He is our Savior. Um, but it's interesting because the way it's, it's vowelized, it actually sounds like Moshiach It says, Hashem Moshiach. Yes. Like Moshiach. You're right. right. And it's beautiful because if you actually look at the word itself. It's mim vav shin yud ein kaf. And if you break that word apart, you have mim which is, put in front of the word, it's, it's the pretext from. Right. And then you have the middle words, which rearrange form Yeshua. Right. And the very end is a kaf,
0: which uh-huh. you just call it
1: kaf fully. It's, you know, kaf pay, which is the same thing as palms. Right. And so you have inside the palms from your palm, who is there? Yeshua. It's Yeshua. This is the identity. I, Hashem Hashim. Moshiach Hashem Mm -hmm. you know from the palms of Hashem you have Yeshua and so this is the name
0: of who is Zion you know I love having the Hebrew word right in front of me and I wish I had like a true Iron Man like digital projection to just watch what you just did with those letters that is amazing amazing
1: yeah, you know, especially you know, we talk a lot about these the, the Hebrew letters and stuff. So it would be amazing if we had that digital protection, like you said. That'd be incredible.
0: Because you know? know the letters right. floated in the tablets. So I mean, it's just like yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I was thinking about that the while day. If
1: I had one use of superpower, it'd be to, you know, make visible, you know, different different thoughts and and words and some something, you know. Um. I can dig just, it. like, make, like, holograms appear or whatever. Right?
0: <laughs> Flying and, and invisibility, that's so outdated, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: so, uh,
0: so overdone.
2: <laughs> yeah. that, that
1: okay. was incredible. So, um, continue on, I want to continue on and we'll we'll make our way back, but I want to make sure we touch on this while we're on this whole idea of, you know, who who is the hand of God, associating um, Mashiach with the hand of God, and how that's related in this this half Torah, and how that actually brings salvation, redemption, and that the process actually keeps going once you get into chapter fifty.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: Chapter fifty, verse. Um, four. And we're going to go down to the first six. Okay. And it says, the prophet declares, Hashem Elohim has endowed me with eloquent speech for teaching others to know how to instruct the one languishing for the word of Hashem at the proper time. Every morning he arouses me with Ruach HaKodesh to go and prophesy. He arouses my ear to listen to clear prophecy like a student Learning from his teacher. And so here we have Yeshayahu explaining that although this prophet's message may be rejected by the listeners, um, that it it could be the prophet's fault, this is not the case here because of two things. Okay. That the people refuse to listen because he doesn't express himself in a clear manner. And so this could be the one refutation. But he states right here, you know, Hashem gave me the gift of eloquent speech. You know, Natan li Lashon lemodim. Wow. And so, two, the Navi might, might, uh, may deliver the message at an pr- inappropriate time when people aren't able to listen to him. However, you know, he argues here that I know when it is best to get over my messages. La da'at ut. And wow. so another thing they argue is Hashem may not inform the Na'vi of the people's sins until they are already ingrained and find it difficult to change. And so in response to this, in response to this idea, Yeshua explains that Hashem communicates with him daily to let him know immediately what the people have done wrong. This is, you know, uh, like him communicating with him each, each morning. And so what he's saying is that the people... You can't blame him, you know, because like he he is so attached to a Right. And you know, it's it's really he's 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 not boasting himself. He's boasting what his gave him. It says, "Natan li, what he endowed me with." Wow. And what's interesting, right after "Natan li," what he endowed me with, you have the word "lashon." It's the word for tongue. It's is mm-hmm. the word that's translated in, in our. And our uh, this translation of speech, but you know uh, more directly, it's Lashon. But essentially, Lashon has the same gematria as three hundred eighty-six. Oh, which what? Is, he's, of Yeshua. he's endowed me with what? Yeshua. Yeshua.
0: Oh. And
1: you know, it gets better.
0: <laughs> How? It gets better. How? How get it?
1: How? Okay, so. What's very interesting about this, and this, the midrash actually highlights this, is that um, one of the reasons. Uh, so it, one of the reasons that uh, it gives for this is Yeshua knew and taught the five books of the Torah. This is suggested by the fact that the letter of Lamed is placed at the beginning of five consecutive words in Pesuk. So we have Li Lashon Da'at, LaDaat LaUt which is endowed like me with eloquent speech for teaching others to know how to instruct. Wow. And there's these Lameds and it's just, it's very unusual. You you know, like these Lamed, 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 Lamed. And it says it referenced the five books of Torah. But what's interesting here is, you know, going back to our palm example, you have the Lamed, which is usually a staff. Yeah. And then you have the Yud, which can be, you know, spelled out like yad, like changing the, the vowel. Right. And so yud is also related to yad, the yad, the hand. And so what what connects the the staff and the hand? It's the palm. Goodness. And so and we can kind of clarify this a little bit more. But you have the lamed also is like it's 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 a prefix that you're pointing towards something and then the you at the very end that's possessive talk about the word lee like he gave to, to me right right and so if you know and you say you say you have someone who's pointing at someone holding something and that person is is holding it up with his hand you know and so in, in order to um literally find what it's pointing to what what is it possessing we're going to divide out this possessing aspect from what, from the, the youth. So if you divide the Lamed from the u, 30 from 10, look in their gamaches, you get three. And so we're, we're literally going to skip three spaces each time. And we're going to get this code. Wow. So, and in order to emphasize this a little bit more, um, you know, the, the Lamed actually points for something. So if you look at the, the letters that are right after the Lamed, after each Lamed, you have a Yud, you have a Shin, you have a Mim, you have a Dalat, and you have an Ayin. Okay. Which, if you rearrange that slightly, you get the word, and change the vowels, you get the word Shmi-Da, which translates to know my name. Shmi? Yes, yeah, like Shmi, like my name. Oh! Like shmi Mm-hmm. Oh, my okay. name, and then Bob is like the whole, whole word, like like the Wow. So, you, this, whole, this whole illusion of, of knowing knowing my name, and so in order to figure this out, you know, we're we're going to, to look at this. We take the Lee. What's this? What's this pointing to? And the, the hand that's holding it. And we're gonna find what's between them. What's between the 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 hand and the staff, that would be the, the palm in our example,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: So 30 divided by 10 is three. So ignoring the Lamets, because it's pointing towards something, we're going to skip three spaces each time. Wow. And so if we do that, we have a, we have a shin, this is the shin of uh, Lashon, and then we go three spaces, ignoring, we get Vav, noon, and then we skip the lamet because the lamet's pointing towards something. And you get a mim, go three spaces, we get a yud, go three spaces, the mim, and we get a, we get our, our uh, we get an in, and then we go three more spaces and we get our vav. And so we have this, we have the word, um, we have, have these letters, and you get mim, yud, shin, vav ayin, rearranged, and it spells Mem Yeshua, like from Yeshua.
0: Goodness.
1: And so this is further clarifying the point that we, we said earlier, like within the palm is, is Yeshua, his, his associate with Zion, his associate with the hand of God who brings redemption.
0: So is it any and, wonder that Yeshua was crucified on a staff? Wow, <laughs> now that,
1: and like, that's, that's interesting because it says what he, he's given to me, and give, to me is Lamed Youth. And so you're, like you're saying, he's crucified pretty much on this, this staff, this big pole. Right. And we're associating him with the hand of God who brings redemption. And so the very word Li, which in itself has a gematria of 36, right? You have the image of, of the, the hand of God, the hand of redemption on a pole, on this big staff. Mm-hmm. And there's a Gemara that says that, you know, the world is sustained by the suffering of thirty-six uh, hidden sadaqim. Wow. And all that, according to where Lee, to me, is is really hinting to one person, ultimately. Um, and so I, I, that's a beautiful, beautiful uh, insight that you gave there about like the staffing of. The Llama being like the staff, the execution stake. I love that,
0: man. That's incredible. Tag. Go for it. So you just said the Lee being the 36 and the Hidden king. Well, for, mm-hmm. for those listening who may be like, uh, check your math because 30 plus 10 is 40. Well, if you do 36 and then have the 4, what is the Gematria 4? It's Dalit. So the 36 hidden Zadakim who are in the Dalit is the Li, which is Mashiach on the pole. And so Mashiach Mm -hmm. being the door, the Dalit, being those hidden Zadakim on the pole. So, like, and uh, the Kabbalistic understanding of a Yud is that the Yud can be drawn down into creation because the Yud literally is the hand. And so when the hand comes down, it becomes a Vav, which we know Vav from Zohar is Mashiach. And so now instead of it being Lee, it's Lo, which Lamed Vav actually is 36. So when you circle around this concept, no matter how you slice it, um, you still get the fact that, you know, it is Mashiach on the pole and the hidden Zadakim and the palms of Mashiach Yeshua bringing redemption because Mashiach Yeshua is from the palm of Hashem, and from Hashem comes the redemption. So just wanted to tag that to what you just elucidated and, uh, you know, give a little barbed wire fence in case anybody wants to, you know, try to step across. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, off this part. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> I was thinking of of the
1: there's actually a hidden gematch of, of the llama itself is thirty six because it's made up of yud, oh. a vav, and a kame. Whoa, and
0: so, whoa, whoa, whoa! Rewind that! I just I couldn't hear that. I couldn't take it. I just I'm ready now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I
1: love the uh, the illustration you gave with the whole like with the dollet because that gives that whole idea of you know this is the draw for another day but the whole mezuzah. Aspect of Mashiach on a pole, right? But you know, the of the secret gamacha of the lamed, according to uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg, is thirty-six <laughs> because you have a yud at the very top. This is the crown of the lamed, and then you have a vav, and then you have a kaf. Mm. And you know, looking at the word li, you have the yud that's possessing this, that's possessing all of this, this, the thirty-six, like the thirty-six hinted righteous individual who suffered on, on account of the world this is possessed literally by one person who is the Lamed and this is the one who, who is the Yud this very high crown who is crowned in his heights you know the one who is closer to Hashem is the Mashiach um, little, the Yud is the thing that was used to literally create uh, the world it's alluded to that it's like the little initial point that brought everything into existence Every every Hebrew letter is made from that little point and so you're looking at Mashiach as the Torah and the Torah as the origin and the architect of everything that's, that's hidden within the Yud. That it gets drawn down, like you were saying, into the Vav. And then you have the Kaf, which is the Palm. And so even within the image of the Lamed, you have the idea of the hand of God, the Yud, the Yad, right? Yud and Yad. Mm-hmm. Being, being uh, having essentially the Paf, nailed down because the Vav is like the a, a peg <laughs> it's used for the word for peg it's a, I mean, the image of a, of a peg like a tent peg or a nail right. and then the Kaf is is a palm, it's even shaped like a palm if you have it extended you know, have it opened um, and so the very, the image of Vlamid of hints at how this this, this Zadik is going to suffer on account of the world through having a nail
0: through his palm uh. If that wasn't enough, I have Sefer (laughs) Sefer Otiot by uh, Lawrence Kushner, Rabbi Kushner. And he says that the Lamed, the 36 righteous, that they carry in their hearts, like in their Lev, in their first and last letter of Torah, the pain of all the world. Wow. so like what you're saying with the understanding of who these Atakim are and who they're who these ottekem are actually found in being the lamed, it's just kind of like wait, wait, wait. So the lamed is carrying around the pain of the world in the nail palm of his hands. Like I don't know what to do right yeah. now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's, you, know, the, you know, you know, look at that, but the that's that that's, I don't know, that's incredible. Because um, mm. the U literally is the foundation of the world, because it's the origin of the world. You wow. Know? And so, the, it's just elucidating this word, Lee, so,
0: wow. Okay, well, I guess we'll um, leave it to be and go forward from here. <laughs> Do you say leave it to Lee? yeah leave it leave (laughs) it
1: (laughs) 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 so it's just interesting and, and if there's anyone out there who makes a claim that essentially Yeshua can't be the Mashiach because you don't see uh you see people misunderstanding his words or you see people not following him uh you know that's ridiculous because right here in this half tour, it says Isaiah says, "Hey man, it's not you can't blame it on me because mm. i have this close relationship with the God." And so here, here you have Yeshua who say, "Hey me, me, and the Father are one." How much more so for him? Wow, you know. And so we we that, that argument based on this half tour can't be made. Um, but you know, we, we're talking a lot about the uh, this redemption through the hand of God. What's engraved in the palm of God? That, that's you know holding. If you look at the palm, we mentioned all these fingers of the hand are aspects of salvation, the redemption, or pivotal moments in the history of Israel. You know, the Exodus, the the Torah being given, um, even going back into to Noah's Ark. Um, what holds all those fingers together is the palm, is Zion. Oh, <laughs> that that is the the foundation. We're talking about the foundation that is really the foundation of all these aspects of, of redemption. Wow. And, and so you could kind of see how, you know, why, you know, he was pierced through his hand. Right. You know, and how, how that actually affected all time, all of history. Um, But if you think this, this idea is ridiculous, then we should, you know, keep reading. um, Let's do. (laughs) And, Uh, Before that, I want to just read a little commentary um, on this. Yeshayahu explained to him, great prophecies containing wonderful consolations because he willingly accepted the mission of being a Navi. According to a different explanation, Yeshayahu continues to explain that he is not responsible for people's failure to do a complete teshuva. He says, you might think that even though Hashem talks to me daily, I'm lazy about delivering my messages. This is not true. I never refuse to do so. Anokhi, lo, nariti... Uh, moreover, my mission might fail if I myself were guilty of the very sins of which I accuse the people. Mm. However, they are unable to reproach me in any way that would cause me to step back in shame and guilt, for I am free of those sins. He says, uh, I am free of those sins. And you know, here you have another illusion, even in Yeshua's name, we we've talked about this before. You have literally Yeshua and Yah that's right the father and son and he's saying so the illusion here he's the one who's saying this is yeshua would be a blemish like the blemish the lamb a lamb you know and so he is free of the sins wow even though even though and we get into the next verse um i volunteered for my mission even though i knew i would be abused i was ready to give my body to the smiters and my cheeks to the hair pullers, I did not conceal my face from humiliations and from being spat at. Really? And yes, <laughs> and you know, going into a little commentary, and then I want to go back into the Hebrew and just elucidate loose state, uh, different things that we might not get just from reading the English.
0: Okay, I'm um, putting on my straight but, jacket. <laughs> What's that? I say I'm putting on my straight jacket right now.
1: There's <laughs> a. So when Jim asked who was willing to carry his prophecies to Bnei Israel, Yeshua volunteered, assuming that the Jews would not dare to harm him since he was a relative of the royal family. Oh! I he warned him, my sons are troublesome and stubborn. Do you accept your mission? And Yeshua who agreed. Uh, it, that's just interesting to me because it mentions, you know, he thought that he wouldn't be harmed because he was a relative of the royal family. But here you have Yeshua who, who knew of his h- sonship. Yeah, if if I use that term, and he knew of his closeness to Shem.
0: You ever um, think about the parable of the tents, of
1: the vineyards? Right. But yes, this is actually where I was going. You oh. know, it says he sent he sent out he sent out people to call, and then he sent his son.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: You know this is this is what Yeshua is saying to them. You know, right before his his execution. You know, this is all leading up to this climatic, uh, in quotations, end.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
1: know? um, because I say, I say in quotations because it did not end there. <laughs> but it says, uh, Thus, Yes, have had clarified that B'nai Israel's failure to do Teshuvah may not be attributed to any shortcomings of hymns. Symbolically, the one who gives his body to the smiters and his cheeks to the hair pullers may refer to the Jewish people as a whole. While in exile, they are not permitted to rebel against the nations, but must willingly sub- subject themselves to oppression, relying instead on God's help, as the next Pesukim explain.
2: Oh.
1: And so, I mean, I, I don't know, I've heard, I've heard different, um, different, different, different shores and of and different anti-missionaries who really take offense in opposition to Yeshua's statement of turning the other cheek. Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 written in the Talmud as well to, to turn the other cheek. And also right here in our Midrash, you know, while in exile we're not permitted to rebel against the nations.
2: <laughs> but much
1: willing to subject ourselves to them in pressure and lying to sit on God's help. That's right. And so just a little support for that, but um this whole idea of giving his body to smiters, and we're reading this right after you know this illusion of Yeshua being the sadiq who upholds the world through his suffering. And what's interesting, if we take in in verse 6, the one we just read, I volunteer my mission even though I knew it would be abused. Um, you take the first letters of of this verse, um, all the way from, you know, Gevi to uh, Baruch, and you have the gematria of 280, which has the same... Gamacha as He I en Rish He which is you know to make naked, to uncover, to expose.
0: Oh. And what do they
1: do with the execution stake? They they exposed him. They they sold his, his garments. Um, which you know you're not you're not allowed to do. Hol- speaking, you're not supposed to um, to take the, the, the garments of, of one who's, who's being uh, murdered. You're not, you're not allowed to take possession of, of what's on them at the time of their, their death. Wow. Um, but that's, that's the initial letters. And if that were enough, we have the final letters of this verse, you know, from the Yud of Gavi all the way to the Kuf of Varokh. And this has a gematria of 631. Ooh. which is the same as Melech Israel, the oh, king ooh. of the of the Jews, the king of Israel. Mm. This is a sign they post that Pilate had posted above the execution state oh my of gosh. Yeshua. So you have the first verse hitting at, at, at his uncovering his, his uh, exposure and the, the last last letters of Yeshua each, each, each words uh, the last letters of each of the words in this verse, hinting at who that was done to. Wow. And keep in mind, you know, this is the verse that says, I was ready to give my body to the smiters and my cheeks to the hair pullers. I did not conceal my face from humiliations and from being spat at. He was, he was spat at, you know, he was, he was, his hair was pulled out. Um, and so this, this is the illusion of, of who this happened to. The picture becomes more and more clear in this this half tour wow of uh, who yeah, and what did he have to go through
0: That was absolutely incredible <laughs> Amen. really quick, did you say pay rash i ain hey
1: um hey rashaw uh, hey you're talking to the word for to, to uncover that will be uh it's hey iray hey
0: oh hey Ayan, reish, hey okay mm-hmm. cool okay, yeah. yeah, got a little cray for a second because I was gonna say that was really close to something else yes. <coughs> <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that's really interesting though, because just to let, let you know what I was thinking is I thought you spelled out Paro, which would have been Pei A'in and you mm-hmm. know, Paro is all about the evil mouth, the mouth of the serpent and, you know, being all the slander and the reviling that happened to the Melech of Israel, and how, all of Yisrael among the nations in exile are being slandered and things like that. Lots of it coming from ourselves, which is crazy because, you know, basis hatred destroyed the temple. So why would we continue to do such a thing? But I digress. But looking at it, the fact that it's actually the, the word for it, like literally the nakedness is that's literally what the mouth of the serpent did to the first Adam, the first Adam. You know, when he told us to eat of the fruit of the tree, we became naked. You know, and so like it's just this crazy picture of, you know, Mashiach basically having this remes to eating of the tree that brought us nakedness. And remember, Hashem heals with the same thing that wounds. So what caused us to be naked in the first place? Hashem is going to use nakedness to give us our clothes back. And wow. So, and so that happened through the king of Israel. The second Adam. Yeah. Wow. No, I,
1: and I, I was just thinking, you know, because you're looking at the, the Ganondim talking about this this tree. And, you know, you look at the whole instant there, you have, and going back to the word "li" that we were talking about, you have the hand, and you have what is like the pole, or like, the, like this tree reaching up to the heavens, the Salamid. Right. And so, literally you have, within this word "li," you have this, almost like this allusion to that, to that moment. And, you know, now with also you have, you know, Yeshua on on a tree, hanging on a tree. Right. He looks so like I, the original tree. There's definitely something something big uh in in what you're saying. And yeah. I'll say also really insightful, you you mentioned this whole idea of of this the slandering and <clears throat> uh different aspects and a lot of that coming from ourselves. Well, it, this is actually uh i it's amazing that you brought that up and you're like you're synced in on this Torah <clears throat> <clears throat> because this is actually what's what's mentioned in verse 17.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: It says, once the redemption arrives, your children will be able to hurry back to the land because your destroyers and demolishers who will occupy Israel at that time will go out from it at the same time your children are entering. Um, and so one of the commentaries here is, you know, the, it says the last part of the besuch is, is uh, frequently quoted to underscore the fact that you know, the Jewish people's worst enemies are not outsiders as one might assume, but all they have, they come from the within our own ranks. Wow. And so he, he mentions, you know, this is the, the, the sad truth of our history. We have Jews who are disloyal to the Torah and caused some of the greatest damage to our peoples, uh, to our people ever. You know, he, he, he cites literally the Sadochim, the, uh, the which is the Sadducees in the time of the Beha Mikdash, in the time of our sages, which is, you know, when Yeshua was around, who Josephus always comments that he Yeshua was one of the wise men, which is mm. a which is, you know, one of the sages. Mm. Um, but, you know, he also mentions the hell in the time of Antiochus, and he goes into mention, uh, false messiahs. False, false messiahs. And he actually cites in here, <laughs> Sabbatai Savi. And then he also cites Jesus. Wow. And at first this is like, oh, that's a you know, you know, if you you hear that you're like, oh, Jesus is a false Messiah, and we get offended. Well, he's right. Jesus is a false Messiah. Yep. Because what does Jesus mean?
0: <sighs>
1: you know what it means? Absolutely nothing. Go go to Blue Letter Bible. There's a wonderful app. Click on the word Jesus. You could it'll take you to a Greek word Iesus, and it'll literally say from Yehoshua or Yeshua, Woo. and so Jesus means nothing in of itself. Um, you know we we, we talked about earlier, whole Zion. You have the Sadi, and then you have Yavan. If you separate out chains of vowels, you have the Sadi who's hidden in Greece. Yep. Um, and a lot of Greek mentality is just it's you know. Uh, our, our Rabbi's doing the the study over um over this gohelet this and it's talking about vanities of vanities. Right. And a lot of Greek culture is just it's just vanities of vanities. It, it like ultimately what did that amount to? What did it amount to? All all this all this beautiful artwork for the sake of artwork, all this uh, like af- athletes in the Olympics. It absolutely means nothing at the end of the day. I'm not saying it's bad things in and of itself. I'm not saying you can't use it for purpose of of serving Hashem. right, but if that's the goal in and itself, it's just a vanity. It's it's wasting away. And you notice this and we're talking about how Yeshua has associated himself also with a place like Jerusalem. And it's just interesting how uh you have Christianity like Edom who's renamed Yeshua right. to make him into this nothingness. And they renamed him Jesus. It means nothing. Absolutely nothing. And, you know, also just to further this parallel of him associating with the land of Israel, um, you have after, you know, the time of when, you know, there is a rebellion, the, the, the Roman government got mad and they, re, they kicked the Jews out and they renamed Israel Palestine.
0: Goodness.
1: And so they renamed the Mashiach and they renamed the, uh, the land of Israel. And both of those things are absolute nothingness. Palestine isn't a place. It's, right. it's a, it's a made-up word to, like, clothe the, you know, Israel. You know, because when you say it's the land of Israel, you're going back to a person. You're going back to Yaakov. Right. And who would that be passed down to? It'd be passed down to his children. And, you know, and not as I'm saying just genetically, but also those who convert into the covenant. Who become like a son of Abraham, and so you're, you know, it's just this whole idea that we we need to watch out for, and of making things into like ignoring the reality of things, yeah, and pursuing vain, um, vain, I don't know, whatever vanities of this world, uh, and just to understand that, you know, there. Uh, just this this attack on the Messiah, this attack on, on Israel, this, this idea of trying to take something that's supposed to be holy and sacred and try to make it as if it's nothing, as if it doesn't mean anything at all. And so Tag. I really love one of the things you put out, if I may just, you know, show this appreciation to you, like of, of you standing out firm ground and saying, hey, don't call him Jesus. Right. You know, he's not. We call him Yeshua. I mean. Because you, if you call him Jesus, even if you're trying to relate to people, you are damaging your own imuna. Wow. You're damaging the emunah of others because you're no longer speaking salvation into people's life. You're speaking nothingness and void
2: mm. and
1: emptiness in people's lives. And that's preaching the name of Jesus. Wow. Speaking nothing in the people's life, making them void of all life. So, you can say that's harsh, but, you know, on a subconscious level, it affects us.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things about truth is truth isn't always, uh, it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> uh, so, you know, to the point of it being harsh, you know, it's it's a Baruch Hashem because. I mean, it is like truth is truth. You can't, you can't go well, you know, it's okay. They didn't know any better. Okay. It's just like, all right, there, that works to an extent, but, uh, really Mm -hmm. quick. I just wanted to do a support tag to not only the name and making sure we say it appropriately that, um, you know, listening to people talk about Yeshua And knowing that when you say the other name, the JC name, you're taking away one crucial letter. And we all know what happens when you remove one letter, one jot, one tittle from the Torah. It it becomes null. Like they literally have to bury the Torah at that point because you can't use it. You know, if so much of the Torah is abolished, i.e. it's the word is misspelled, or the letter is not the appropriate size, the spacing is not right, there comes a certain extent where the Torah scroll is now void. It it can't be used. So that's Mm -hmm. another point to the name. And as I hear, okay, so first of all, that letter is the letter ayin, which is the word for eyes. So since I know what the ayin is, and I've studied the ayin, when i hear the name the jc name it literally feels like my eyes are being like poked you know like it's just kind of like it there's a sensation that kind of flows through me not a oh i can't believe that they would call the messiah that or anything but it's something happens and and many people say oh that's just the power of the name and it's like Yeah, more of the lack of the power that you're now putting into the atmosphere. But uh, anyway, I digress. But it literally just feels like the eye is getting poked out. And again, the eye, from a Jewish uh, understanding, this is what gives you insight. So why do people not know Torah? Why do people not know about the Shabbat? Why does the teachings of the Torah seem an alien and strange thing to people? Well, if you're preaching the other name that was given to Yeshua, just like talking about the land of Israel by the other name given by the Romans, you're taking away your insight. You're taking away your connection, your understanding. So to the, the beauty in the Greek, I just wanted to, I thought immediately about the Eshes Chayil Bracha that we speak over our wives on Shabbat and the letter Sheen is the verse that says false is grace and vain is beauty. Mm-hmm. So the Sidur brings down Sheker Hachain V'chevel Hayofi, false is grace and vain is beauty. Grace and beauty are not attributes that are worthy of serious praise. For they have no great value. Moreover, they are often only transitory and do not reflect the character. I repeat, do not reflect the character and worth of a person. I'm I'm just going to end it right there because I mean, that's that's ultimately what happens when you don't call him Yeshua. You take away his worth; yeah. it doesn't reflect his character. Um, uh, that's
1: that's incredible. I, I mean, I love that. Um, because you know, that was the pivotal point of a Greek culture. You know, the the beauty and the, the grace, everything flowing perfectly. You know, the you know, with with music, um, of arts, or you know, sports, but you know, all it means nothing. You know, the next verse, but a woman who who fears the Lord is to be praised. Yes. You know all, all that's meant to, you know, you know, word for fear is like also awe. All right. that, all that's meant to is bring awe to Hashem, all these skills and talents we have. But, you know, since you mentioned this, I uh why it's so powerful that we have eye to Yeshua's name is uh, going back to the word for, uh, oh uh, sorry, right? The word which says "I engraved." Oh yes. Right. Yes. Engraved on the palm. We're talking about Yeshua, Zion, Joseph engraved on the palm where he's. This is what he's using for redemption. Yes. Um, but the the process for the, the process for that, you know, the word for for that that we're talking about has a gematria five hundred thirty-eight, which is the same numbers as the gamacha for Mashiach, 358. Oh, my goodness. And also, the same Misbar Khatan, that's the small gamacha, when you take up the zeros of everything, essentially, and add them together, you get 16. And the 16th letter of the al is the Ayin. Oh. Okay, so, like, this engraved, like, we may, may have forget the Ayin, the but Hashem has not. He says, this is part of my son's name. And you look at, look at the ayin itself, if you take the ayin and you break it apart, right, this is the aspect of, of, you know, Yeshua who's willing to sacrifice his name, who's willing to give up the ayin the and be humiliated and be the Sadiq who's hidden with a Greek name, Sion. Um, but if you break it apart, you get a nun and a vav. And so if you add ayin... To, in front of the nunavav, you have the word like Anno, which is the humble one. And so this hints at his mission as Mashiach ben David, the one who's willing to disregard his name in order for the process of Tehkun Alam, the rectification of the world, to come about. Um, but then at the, at the same time, if you take that same Iron and instead of breaking it apart... Instead of breaking apart, you you spell it out in full, ayin yud noon sofi, right? Right. And you take take and again its its corresponding parts are noonavav. You have now you have noon, avav yud and noon. If you rearrange those, you get the word yanon.
0: Wow and
1: this is the aspect of of meshiuk's written in the, the telling about his name is is everlasting yes um from from you know old old and ancient days his name his name is everlasting and it's also the name that's associated with the resurrection of the dead hmm. and it's just here it also has you know uh well just well, to get in and all that, but you have in the iron. why I say it's so important and I think why it affects us and especially what you're saying affects you on a spiritual level is that iron hints at Yeshua's mission as Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting that it hints also at the um, resurrection of the dead because that's also hinted at this Parsha, uh, not the Parsha, but the half Torah, in verse 20, where it says, your sons of whom you were bereft Will yet say in your ears, the place is too narrow for me. Please remove, please move me to make me, make room for me to stay. And the Midrash actually expands this to refer to the period after Techeyat Hamatim, the resurrection of the dead. And it says when all Jews deserving um, from the time of Abraham will come back to life. And so it says during this time, there's going to be harmony and love among the people. And it says they're going to whisper the complaint about the lack of space And in their mother's ear so to speak so as not to embarrass their fellow man furthermore they will phrase the request that the others will move away respectfully asking for a favor and blaming the lack of room on themselves (laughs) and this ends in here it says Hashem will then at this point make a miracle and expand the land Says it is for this reason that Israel is called and it's the land of the deer. Mm. And in the future its surface will stretch like a deer's Alaska skin. And it's just interesting because C right there is that's written in the Shirashir. The Shir. It's written in Shirashir. Shir. And it's also a name of Mashiach. What? You know, so again making these parallels between Yeshua, Mashiach as has associating himself with the land of Israel. And so Svi is, is the word for gazelle. It says, and Shir Shir two nine, my beloved is like a gazelle, Svi. What is this Svi, this gazelle, that appears and disappears, appears and disappears again? So the first redeemer appeared, disappeared and appeared again. And so this is alluding to the fact, you know, we say, okay, well, okay, if he was Messiah, why didn't he, you know, accomplish this? Why didn't he bring the redemption now why why do we have to wait for him to to build the temple uh, and restore us to land um <laughs> well you know have here like he's he's a sea he's hinting with israel is going to be called the city too and the the redeemer who has to appear and disappear and you know secondly you know he lived during the time of the, the second temple and you know this is one of the illusions of of, of Tishba Av. It says the Av, Av. Why did it take place in the month of Av? Because the Aleph relates to the first temple, you know, the first letter of Alpha, and the date of Av relates to the second temple, which which had to had to be destroyed for the third temple to come about.
2: Whoa! And so
1: you know this, this whole this whole process had to happen the way it did. Um,
0: but um. you know. Tag. You got something? Yes. Have you looked at Luke 2-7? No, but you you interested. About there being no room at the inn. So Yeshua had to be born outside because there was no room at the inn. You know, like, there was no space. It was too narrow wow (laughs) so i quickly obviously got very very sidetracked because in this verse there are so many things in luke 2 7 Uh, i'm going to refrain from reading the verse so keep everybody in suspense because there's so much in that verse that i'm trying to (laughs) just say this one thing but uh Yeshua's firstborn, it mentions that. So the whole bickerim, first fruits, there's that. Rashit, as in Bereshit, there's that. Um, And the word for the manger that he was laid in is actually in Yeshayahu chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger. But Yisrael does not know, my people do not understand. And I find it so interesting, we've been talking about not knowing, not understanding, not, people not knowing Zion, not knowing Yeshua, not knowing Mashiach ben Yosef, there's no room at the end, and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, anyway, uh, the word uh, there is uh, Aleph, Vav, or Aleph, Vet Vav, samik, And so you have the word for Av, which is Father. You have the Vav, and then you have the samik, And we've been talking about the supporter of those who are fallen. And, you know, the Yod, when it's fallen, it becomes a Vav. It comes down. And then this is the Father who came down. So, literally, the manger. And the, the manger is connected to the donkey. And Yeshua rode on the donkey, you know, to go to his own death. And so you have like this beautiful bookend of Yeshua and the donkey coming for redemption to those who are oh, fallen no. because they're not worthy of the redemption. He comes on a donkey. But anyway. Um,
1: wow. OK, so I was listening to Yeshua earlier, earlier and he was expanding upon this idea of of the donkey in Yeshua 1 and it says the donkey is essentially uh, he, he's grateful when he has the straw but he does not know who to attribute it to. Oh! And wow. so you look at Yeshua riding upon a donkey through this aspect of you know not only is he fulfilling the words of the sages in Sanhedrin 98 um, but you know, it's like even though uh, his his mission accomplished so much, right? Like like the donkey, uh, they didn't know who they didn't attribute it to him. They refused to attribute it to him, or they they didn't really know how to, you know, because he was this hidden sadiq who was sustaining the world. <laughs> but yeah, he's riding on the donkey saying he's like, Hey, I'm still attached to you and I still have dominion over you and this is our, our verse in this half verse is that when it when Israel is literally be called gonna call the Eretzvi, you know, wow. and we said Svi is also named Mashiach, and so it's like literally this is hinting that he's gonna become the owner of the land. Wow. The the land of Mashiach. Like he's he's gonna be milk milk Israel. But you know, it's it's interesting, um <sighs> the verse some verses before this um, that we're talking about Israel, it says, verse 18, 49, 18, lift up your eyes, Zion, and look around in all directions. See that all your sons are gathered and have come to you. As, I swear as I live, says Hashem, this will come true. You will display them all proudly like an ornament and tie them to your garment or hair like a bride does. And so it mentions this word kulam, all of them, twice. And wow. so it says, in the simple sense, the Shem's going to make sure that, that at the redemption, yeah. not one of those living to him will be left behind. Wow. And furthermore, the emphasis on all may imply that even the 10 tribes who have been absent since the time of the first Be'ah fast will return. Um, so, hinting at the far future, after the ultimate tikkun, the rectification and purification of souls, even those who have strayed from the Jewish people will all be returned um, to be displayed proudly by Zion. And we mentioned this by um, Zion being Yosef. And these trials are going to be displayed proudly by Yosef. And I remember uh, I was having a conversation earlier about Ahmad uh, Hamazon, where it says, make us, in time of blessing, make us worthy of the days of Mashiach. Right. And talking about, you know, like, when, he, when we stand before him, like, he's going to find us worthy wow. if, we, if we keep pursuing this, wow. this lifestyle.
2: Wow! You got you had something
0: to No, I'm just I'm I'm agreeing. I should be. I mean, amen, 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 amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. But,
1: wow. No, it's, it's interesting here because you have this word, um, kulam, and each one is ninety. Like the 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 gemacho sadi the sadiq. So you have two sadiqims, right? That's going to bring about this, all this all these people coming coming forth. And you know, you add ninety plus nine you get one eighty, which is, you know, a complete turnaround mm. ending at the Teshuva take place. Right. And so depending at like even though you have Mashiach bin Yosef, he he turned us ninety degrees. And then we have Mashiach bin David who turned us the next ninety degrees so we could uh fully come and, and, and do full Teshuva. Wow. uh, uh the next verse mentions your ruins, says, In fact, your ruins and your desolation, your demolished land, will now be too narrow for its returning inhabitants. Your destroyers, your enemies, on the other hand, will distance themselves from you. And it asks this question, Miraf says, Why the triple emphasis on your ruins, your desolation, and your demolished lands? And it says, Perhaps this is mentioned to point out Hashem's chesed, his kindness and pouring out his anger upon the stones of the land, instead of Ambena Israel. Oh my goodness. If not for that, they could not have survived, much less returned ultimately to Eretz Israel. And, and I think we're on the same page as the word for stone, generally speaking, is Avin. Uh, Avin, right? Yes. And it's made up of the first part, Av, father, and the second part, Bin. And, uh, it actually hints also at the two
0: redeemers, Yosef and, and David. Um, and you know, it's the gematria of paradise, which is gone the garden.
1: Oh, like the one who brings us back to the
0: garden. Like today you will be with me in paradise today. If you hear my voice today if you make shuva that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> wow
1: wow and uh, just to, to support uh, the whole idea of the two mashiachs says um it's from Midrash to Puma, Truma 7 and Truma 7 uh the blessing, talking about the blessing given to Joseph, uh, being the uh, the stone of Israel. And it says, but but by his bow remained firm, and his arms were agile from the hands of the mighty one of Yaakov. Um, wow. From there, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And so it's explaining the Mashiach is likened to a stone. It says that... Messiah will be the, the the son of Joseph, and according to the blessing given to Yehuda, Mashiach will be the son of David. Uh, Mashiach was likened to a stone, also because he will rule over rule Israel according to the law that was handed down by the two stone tablets. Last, Mashiach was likened to a stone because he uh, it is he who will be able to break Israel's heart of stone. Wow! And so these two aspects of of you know breaking the stone it goes on to. Um, talk about, for example, note the change um, talking about what we mentioned earlier, from the one stones uh, the one stone out of the twelve stones in, in Yaakov's dream of the latter right. and so you know, it's where Rabbi Yehuda he says that he took twelve stones against the twelve tribes that will come out of him, and they became one stone Peskitha Zetrodah Truma and Truma seven and then you have this prophet in, in Daniel, um, it's also from Midrash and Kuma. says, And he saw King Mashiach, since Daniel says, You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the, st- the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. And he rules by the merit of the stone, the merit of the Torah upon which Israel toils, as is it states, tablets of stone written by the finger of God. Accordingly, stone means a Mashiach who fulfills the promise Given to Yosef that his descendant will unify Israel and rule over it by the authority of the law. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so the stone here, we mentioned the whole Kulam Gamache of Sadi, the two Sadiqs who bring Israel to full repentance. And then here we're talking about Hashem pouring out his wrath on the, the oven on these stones and um this this whole idea of Yeshua riding upon a donkey having dominion over the people even though they don't attribute it to him right um, but essentially you know this whole, the whole idea of Avon you know leads to both these Mashiachs and the, their rules to to break our heart of stone and and to essentially come in as we read earlier about Hashem being our Moshiach, you know our, our Savior that like he would annihilate the, the, the nations who would persecute us.
0: Wow. <laughs> Man. Uh, I feel like I'm in, like, one of the levels of heaven right now.
1: <laughs> and no, this is what it says, you know, Aaron, you mentioned this, this whole concept of uh, one in 60th. Yes. You know, and and mention that, you know, in like a yeshiva, that it's like 160th of ganadin. Right. <laughs> so, this is reason for that. This is, this is the pleasure of the Lama Baas, is the pleasure of, of the Shekinah Hashem's presence, which is like we feel that now because, you know, being engrossed in and, and Torah study.
0: Yes. Thank you, Hashem. right, if we do a story time, Oh yes, absolutely. Let us is this do it on verse fifty-one. The... Okay, you go ahead. Beth. What's that? I was just gonna do our jingle. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I want to to reference
1: the verse. Uh, first. it's, it's fifty-one. It says, "So says shame to the Jews. Where is the bill of divorce of your mother Zion, whom I sent away, or to whom one of my creditors have I sold you?" In fact, you've been sold because of your sins, and your mother has been sent away because of your rebellious acts. And so it alludes to Zion as this mother. And so you're looking at this whole aspect of the mother being sent away. Yeshua comes in and says, how I want to gather you as a a mother hand gathers her chicks. And so it says, the Zion, Zion, Mother Zion, was sent away because of their rebellious acts. Not any fault of his own, just like we read later, like in uh, Yeshua saying, it's not my fault you know, you didn't repent. But, you know, it's this rhetorical question at the beginning of the implies that there's no actual divorce, only separation, and that too is only because of the unsins. Um, because as soon as we do teshuvah, Hashem comes back to us. But we have this different verse in Yemayahu that says, Yom-Yahu three eight I sent her, the Jewish nation, away and gave her a bill of divorce. And so how the question is, how do we reconcile these verses? You know, where is your bill of divorce? And how do we reconcile this? Are we, are we divorced from shim or not? And so with that, we have our very first, in this podcast, story
0: time. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I can't sing after that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a question, question. The story time is going to help us answer this. <laughs> okay. Story time. Go on. There was once a king who
1: became angry at his wife and wrote her a bill of divorce. He threw the document to her, but at the last minute, jumped up to snatch it back, tearing it to shreds. Thereafter, whenever the wife asked for support, he refused, telling her, Remember, you're divorced. However, when she mentioned that she wished to marry someone else, he snapped, Where's your bill of divorce? Where's your get- Similarly, if B'nai Israel want to serve idols, Hashem demands, where is your bill of divorce? However, if they ask him to perform miracles for them, Hashem protests. I've sent her away and gave her a bill of divorce.
2: Mm, mm,
1: mm. And so this is our, you know. That's the answer. A valiant position in exile. (laughs) You know, it's like on one hand, we're, we're bound to serve Hashem since there's no actual divorce but merely a temporary separation. On the other hand, the Shem's not going to help us with open miracles since we're unworthy of the
0: help. Wow. You know, that's behind, that's the insight behind sending the mother bird away so that you can take the chicks. Like the, the babies. Oh. It's wow. about It's about the exile. Sending Zeon away? Yes. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's, inc- that's incredible <laughs> you know what what I love about this is you know through this whole Hav Torah, you have Hashem talking to Zion talking to Jerusalem, trying trying to comfort Jerusalem, trying to rebuke and reprove them to mend their ways as well, and this is literally you know if you you read you know towards uh like in Luke, you know you had the Pharisees coming warning Yeshua, hey look the Sadducees are looking for a way to kill you. You might want to stay away. And he goes into Jerusalem, you know, you know, telling people, rebuking people, inspiring the people. Um, yeah. And it, it's like this procession into it. And so it's it literally parallels this whole, this whole idea that that's, that's, you see, you see in the, in the Besor, especially in Luke, uh, the way it's written out of, his conversation with with Zeon. His conversation with Jerusalem. You know, um, uh, oh, those who who stone stone the prophets and and all that. And you know how I long to gather you as a chin gathers as a, as a hen gathers her her chicks. That's right. You know.
0: Wow. Well, have we uh? Have we not covered anything that's really been like a burning uh en- elucidation that you wanted to get into?
1: Well, I think, you know, it'd be a good thing to to hit on this these last last versions in 51. If we got if we got the time for it. Um and yeah. then we could kind of put put this tattoo to like a a closing well, a close, you know.
0: Well, you know, center and time out, you know, it's just kind of like you know, what's time at that point?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's time when you're out of time?
0: Though? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're already yeah. in time out, so you might as well just uh, make the most of it. <laughs> Man. I That's forgot true. to tell you, you're in time out.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I think I got that one. No. <laughs>
1: You know, this, this last, last section of the half, Torah mentions this idea of the people being admonished to, to rely on Hashem's promises. It says, who, who among you fears Hashem? This is verse 50, 10. Who among you fears Hashem listens to the voice of his servant, the prophet, even if he walks in the darkness of hardships and has not yet seen the light of relief and salvation, or even if he walks in the darkness of false beliefs, let him trust in Hashem and rely on his God. That salvation will certainly come. If not in this world, then in the next. Um, wow. And wow. so girl is telling us, like, not to despair in the present exile, just trust Hashem. Yeah. And and just be God fearing. And uh, next verse, fifty eleven. Truly, almost all of you are kindling the fire of Hashem's wrath. You are girding yourself with sparks, producing heavenly anger. You will reap what you sowed. Walk in the light of your fire and the sparks you have kindled. That is your sins that will destroy you. This will come to you from my hand in recompense. It is not an accident. You will lie down in the grave in grief. So he mentions the hand again. You know, the same hand that brings salvation. You know, if you're not on the right side of that hand, you know, it's also the hand that's going to bring uh, destruction and judgment upon the the wicked, those who rebel against Hashem. Wow. And so he knew that some of his listeners were drawn after these false prophets who assured that, hey, everything's going to be alright. But you know, he, he put the, the choice before his audience. Hey, do you want to be the ones who fear Hashem or the ones who walk in, walk in darkness? Huh. Because later he predicts, you know, the, the punishment of the fire, the punishment of Gehinnom, warning them that they themselves lit the fire with their sins. Like, it's not, it's not that Hashem's throwing you in the fire. You know, I had, you used to have a, a boss who would say, hey, I don't, I don't fire people. People fire themselves. And it always Ooh. stuck with me.
2: Ooh.
1: You know, it's not that Hashem's damning us, so to speak. Uh, it's it's that we have condemned ourselves in our own actions. Yep. You know, if, if shim's eternal fire and we're not, you know, like making ourselves fireproof, so to speak, by engaging in this Torah, then even if we were to come into close relationship with him, we're just going to be incinerated. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, it says, finally, Yeshua turns to those who seek Hashem, assures them that a glorious future awaits them. And you got some very powerful verses that, that finish off verses 1, 2, and 3. Let's so read through these. It says, Listen to me, pursuers of righteousness, seekers of Hashem. Look at the rock from which you were hewn and the captivity of the pit from which you were born out. And he mentioned this as an allegory. It says, The rock is Abraham and the captivity of the pit is Sarah. And so it's like, "What is he talking about, these comparisons?
2: Hmm.
1: And... You know, he, he mentions, you know, if you carve a small rock out of a larger rock, like a small piece, you can compare it to that ro- larger rock and see, hey, did it really come from this? You know, and, and what Yeshua is like, surely I could raise up sons of Abraham from these stones. Yeah. You know, that, but there's another aspect that says he, he tells the people, like, you're the rocks of the, the same strength of characters, Avraham. For even now in exile and despite your sins you hold on to your heritage of the Torah and cannot be budged from it. And you inherited this period of soul from your forefathers and I you know to even add, if you convert, you you know, you're you're literally born again in the Jewish perspective. As the Rabbi has said uh, quite a few times on his drash about conversion. But, you know, it also says that uh the description of Abraham as a rock hints to his inability to uh, like like their the situation that they were in, him in in Sarah. It says the captivity fit refers to the fact, fact that Sarah was barren and the the rock refers to Abraham. And it says uh, this, uh, according to our sages actually they actually had a captivity in the place of their, their womb. And so Yeshua was explaining that the Jewish people that they have emerged from that rock and captivity in a miraculous manner. And they came into being directly through a supernatural intervention, not in a normal manner. And so, a lot of times, you know, we think like the door is like completely impossible, whatever situation we're in. And a like, no, I, but I, I've got a, I've got a miracle working for you. And so, yes, yeah, I was hinting at this, encouragement. people is like, even if you, you think it's impossible, even if it, it, it's not even natural, I'm gonna make a way for you. Wow. And this is like words that we always need to like, like sometimes we just need a word of encouragement from our prophets, especially being this long exile and all the, the pain and suffering that comes along with that. Yeah. Mentioned in, in fifty fifty one too, look at Abraham, your father and Sarah who brought you forth, even though he was only one in number, as well as his belief in Hashem. I called him and subsequently blessed him and increased his seed. Wow. And it you know, Sarah was nine years old. She didn't become a mother. The future emergence of a Jewish people seemed totally unrealistic. Yet Abraham and Sarah never lost their confidence in Hashem, and he vindicated their trust in him. Even though Abraham was only one, and according to the laws of nature, they couldn't multiply. Hashem changed his and his wife's names, lifting them above their natural destiny, and giving them children. Cool. And so how is this topic connected to the theme of our half Torah? The redemption of Zion, the next and concluding pasuk of the half Torah, ties it with Yeshua's earlier promise that Zion will be overflowing with crowds and returning children. Don't be surprised about this, the Navi says. Look back to Abraham. He was one, alone in his old age. Him and his wife were unable to bear children, and yet I blessed them. Because he, he, they multiplied and became a large nation. Wow. Similarly, you, the Jewish nation, are a chad, you are one. You are both unique and small numbers, but don't despair. Abraham's position was worse, and I will increase you and make you great. So he says, Look, look, I, I did something that was, that was completely natural. These people trusted me, even though all odds were against them, like a billion one odds. They trusted me, and I blessed that. And I'm going to continue blessing of the children of Abraham. Oh, and then we get into verse three just as he did for Abraham, Hashem will comfort Sion. He will comfort all her ruins by bringing numerous Jews to live there. He will make her desert like Gan Eden and her plain like the garden of Hashem. Joy and happiness will be found in it, thanksgiving or todah offerings, and the sound of singing praises of Hashem for all his miracles and wonders. And so, instantly, if you look in the Hebrew, the word um, necham, comfort, comfort. It's, it's repeated twice. And so, it's like, what is this, this double expression? Of course, we mentioned Yeshia says, um, he was granted prophecies containing double comfort. Right, um, right. So we see the uh We will be comforted for the two behemiptas that were destroyed in another illusion. And we'll find comfort in the two worlds, this world, Lam Haze, and the next world, the Lam Haba. But it also has the gematria of 98, which hints, like, he's going to console us for these 98 curses we endured in the exile. Oh. The ones that are enumerated, enumerated in Parsha Kisavo.
0: Right.
1: Um, and at the very end, he he mentions these four expressions. You have Sason, of Simcha Todah, uh, and Zimra, and all these states of happiness. You know, like the song, the happiness, the joy, um, is all to compensate for the the suffering in the four exiles. Wow. And. Mentions, you know, after Adam's sin, the earth's futility was diminished, and it began to produce thorns and thistles. In the future, it will again return to the state of Ganadin. So it goes, you know, from like this personal, family restoration, and to all the way up to the restoration of the entire world. You know, and that's that's where it starts. Sometimes it starts in our home, us having our working on, like Shalom in our, Beit in our homes and and our Torah observance in our homes, and when we have that foundation, we grow outward like a, sand, a seed planted in the ground, um, growing into like a beautiful forest. Wow. Um, it says, uh, the joy and happiness in the referred to a special nation that characterized life in Jerusalem before the Ba'akmikdash was destroyed. At that time, Jerusalem was famous as the city that was the joy of the entire land. No one was ever sat there. Since it was the king's palace where Hashem's presence was strongly felt, it would have been inappropriate to feel worried or, or unhappy. And so, you know, I um, uh, I think we've mentioned this before in the half tour is like you know our, the gates of tears are never closed Ken. and if, if we ever cry or a situation like never waste a tear always add a prayer into for the redemption to build a temple because when Mashiach comes back like all these pains all these sorrows all these struggles we have it's gonna be made easy the doors are gonna be opening up
0: oh, Amen.
1: and so Lying out for the, the exile, um, you know, and talks about the pursuit, the psuk the su- mentions, you know, the ruins of Zion, perhaps to bring to our attention that a contrast to giving children to Abraham and Sarah is a small feat for the creator to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, in this case, he had to change their, their physique, and in this case, in the other case, he just had to merely restore these stones. <laughs> and so all these, like, Hashem is going to work miracles in our life. He has the the power to, and we just got to trust in Him and endure. It um, also mentions here that Hashem has neither forgotten nor forsaken the descendants of the Siddiq Abraham, as He promised that one day be, be numerous as the stars of heaven and become a blessing for all the nations of the world. And just to elaborate on this idea of comfort, um, Necham, is the Gematheh of 98, like I said, these curses, and so it's very interesting to me that has the word for comfort has the same gamacha as the same numerical value as these 98 curses. Hmm. And so a lot of times we like these bad things in our lives, and you know they seem like curses, but in reality it's it's like it's almost like this, this hidden blessing that Hashem's working out in our lives. Um, but Nachum also has this gamacha of uh, of if you add the letters to it, 101, which is, uh, which is, Sadi Vav He, is the, this is the root of the word Mitzvah. Oh. And so it should be noted that the whole Nechum, like mentioning twice, also alludes to Eliyahu Mashiach, the two temples, as we mentioned earlier. Yes. And so we have this allusion, um, and since it's mentioned twice, it also has a gematria of, uh, you could say 101 plus 101, which is 202, uh, which would be, uh, which would be Rav. Great. Like rabbi. And so uh, this is the whole root of the word mitzvah. And so if you look in the root of a word, it's like its essence. It's, it's the foundation. Like you are talking about the whole foundation stone. It's the foundation of, of other words. And especially the word mitzvah, and so if we break upon this word. What is what is it, what is it mean? Uh, Sava is the whole idea of to be connected, to be attached. And if you break it down, you have the sadi, which is we mentioned the sadik, the vav, which is the letter of connection, and the hay, which um, rabbis throughout has commented. You know, the hay symbolizes Hashem. That's right. And you have the whole idea, the whole very root and the essence of Keeping the mitzvahs and being attached to a shim is is reflecting the Sadiq who connects us to a shim. Amen. Is being attached to the Shia. <laughs> and that's not always a thing because we mentioned throughout this half-door like he underwent suffering, mm-hmm. and so it's like how how do we have necham? How do we have comfort when we have these? Ninety-eight curses in our life, or okay. a few of them, you know. Um, and I think one of the ways is is to understand what we talked about in the other half towards is, is this whole idea of when we accept suffering with 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 joy, and this, this is like incredibly like I'm there's no easy feat by word, but we we accept it with with a joy and doesn't mean we're happy about it, right? But the fact that we get to connect with Hashem on that level. Hashem considers us His friends. This whole aspect, what does it mean to be a friend of God? It is to accept all all these, all these things, these trials, these pains, these sufferings with uh, just this acceptance that, hey, this is from you, Hashem, and, and I'm, I'm going to continue on. And if we accept that, you know, we're, we're considered friends of Hashem. And not only that, it was like we're, we're partaking of, we're connecting with Yeshua, and his suffering. You know, we feel out, outcasted. Well, guess what? He's outcasted. We feel beaten down, rejected by our family. I mean, you even see that in Besorah. You know, a prophet is respected everywhere, but in his hometown. Yeah. You know, he says in his language, like, who is who is my brother? Who is who is my mother? Who is my brother? Only those who keep the words of Hashem. That's right. You know? all Like, his brothers didn't come to believe in him until after the fact. And so there's obviously family tension. And so when we, are, we have family tension and different struggles like that, whatever the case may be, it's like we're a, we're, we have a whole new understanding of who Yeshua is. And when we go through these sufferings, it's like Yeshua is saying, look, I want you to know me on a deeper level. I want you to understand what I'm going through. And uh, for me, you know, like that, that gives me comfort. That gives me hope. Like at least... I don't have to be alone in this. Yeah. You know. And uh, whatever whatever the case may be. And you know, for to drive this point home, you have this word um says the silcha and and joy. And this, you know, you take Gamacha one, um, you have it equal to this, and with joy. Really? And so yes. Yeah, so, And also, you know, the word Mashiach can be arranged to uh, yis, Yismach, like, he will rejoice. Right. And to so what we talked about of, um, he's, he's connected to the Torah. He's connected to, he's the very essence of the mitzvah, the fundamentals of the Torah, the one who connects us to Hashem, um, is, is this, this story of a woman who underwent this trial and Essentially, they found her case. Uh, they, they didn't judge favorably in her case. And they said, no, you're wrong. And they sent her away without, without, without anything. And, and this, this so happened like, like, like there was the wrong judgment. They didn't make the wrong judgment. They, jud- they judged her wrongly in, in, her, in her trial, in her bait deen meaning. And she goes to this simple man... And she just she tells him this story, and the simple man says, "No, it's wrong. You need to go back and have another meeting because they're wrong mm-hmm. by the decision." So she goes back. She tells the 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 one who's in charge, the the rosh, the head of the Beit Deen, and you know, real arrogantly he's like, "Who who is this man to tell me I'm wrong? I know I know him. I know, like, who he is. I know his position in society. Like, who is he compared to me? I'm the, the head of this bait dean. I'm the, I'm the ruler of this county. And but you know, she's persistent, and they review the case one more time. And sure enough, the the roach, the head of the bait dean, he has to swallow his pride. He's like, you 'You're right. I, I judged you wrong.'" I judged the case wrong. And they, they compensated her for um, her struggle that she was going through. And so the head of this Beit Din he comes to the man and he says, look, how did you know? I want to know. Because I, I'm, I'm constantly diving in the Torah. I, I, I know the halacha left and right, and I know this, this, and this. You know, how did you know? And the man tells him, when I heard the news, I lost my state of joy. Whoa. I lost my state of joy, and I knew it was false at that moment. I knew it wasn't true, because the Torah is truth, and the Torah is life. And the Torah is meant to bring joy in our lives. And the second I lost my my state of happiness, and I knew it wasn't Torah, because the Torah only brings joy. And so... This is the story. This is how I I knew. This whole, uh, I guess you'd call it emotional intelligence. Um, (laughs) Right. The ones that the women are blessed with this much much more than men, I believe, but uh, women's intuition. But um, it's this whole idea that our Torah, you know, it's not meant to be something to tear people apart, you know, and, you know, to tear people apart or or, or say, hey, you're wrong and this is wrong and, you know, just, it's not meant that. The, the Torah says Hashem says I'm giving you blessings and cursing, life and death. And so Torah is meant to be blessing. It's meant to be life. It's meant to give us joy. And so we 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 always have to check ourselves when and not just our Torah study and not just our prayers, but and our actions and how we treat people. Because if we're not bringing and pouring life in other people, if we're not bringing blessing in other people's lives, then we cannot, in all honesty, call that Torah. Wow. And so this is the this is comfort. You know, this is the, com- the comfort of the Torah. Is it's meant to comfort us from these curses. It's meant to bring us joy and pour life into our lives.
0: Amen. So if we ever find ourselves getting bogged down in a state that's deprived of joy... We can know we're already way past the the do not get here uh, sign. So, yes. may we all continue to be joyous in our Torah study. And I think it's just so amazing that, you know, Hashem has given us lapide and how we get to be Avengers and how we get to tag and how we just get to, you know, be crazy, uh, goofy as we study, you know, because... That's a state of joy. And when you're in a state of joy, you prophesy. So, mm-hmm. like, that's where prophecy comes from, is from a state of joy. So, if you're not in a state of joy, you're not going to get any insight. You're going to be like, okay, that was cool, whatever. And then you'll, <laughs> you won't remember the information because you won't care about it. And then, you know, you'll be in a very just dismal place. So, if you ever find yourself getting like that, anyone, myself, Hassis, you know, all of us, no one's exempt. You know, if we ever find ourselves getting into that point, we must remember, make a 180 degree turn and get back to joy. All right. Amen. Well, Brukashem, that was one of the most epic uh, closures of the Haftarah because you know, just that that whole account of the bait dean, the woman who's improperly judged, and the the simple uh, man who lost his state of joy, and he knew it was false. Like that, there's so much just practical and foundational there that you know, just connecting all those dots and just beautiful. So, tada rabbi for that. All right, so. Yeah. Uh, As if everything hasn't been a practical takeaway, (laughs) we're going to make sure that we (laughs) do practical takeaways because there is definitely value in the designation of everything. So now that we've indexed our time on reading through the Haftarah for Parsha Ekev and uh, during this time of the Weeks of Comfort, um, that... You know, we're taking this time now to do practical takeaways, and so, Brugeshem, would you like to go first? I would like you to go first, actually, if that's all right.
1: Um, that's
0: totally um, fine. <laughs> uh, first of all, my practical takeaway is uh, definitely on the last pasuk, the last verse of chapter 49, which is verse 26. Because the whole Ani Adonai Moshiach Ve goalek Abir Yaakov Like that whole section Is full of wonderful illumination As far as understanding that Moshiach Yeshua is not separate He's not a Trinitarian key part person Like this right here yeah. should clear up the Trinity, you know, just this verse alone. But, um, you know, I always want to try to make sure that when I come across things that hopefully help with, you know, false doctrines that have been uh, given to people, you know, to try to shout that out. Because when we understand that Yeshua HaMashiach, like the Messiah of Israel, the King of Israel, when we understand... That he is the extension of Hashem, he's the manifestation of Hashem, he is Hashem in the likeness of man. He's Hashem, which is the word, which is in the likeness of man. I don't know how many ways to put it, but it's all okay. one. It's it's a it's a single unity, and um, you know. And again, I always like to point out, Abraham never taught about Trinity. Moses never taught about Trinity, David never taught about Trinity, neither did Shlomo, the wisest man alive, never taught about Trinity, and neither did Yeshua. So, and even Paul, for that matter of fact. So anyway, uh, so where I wanted to go with this verse here is I was just looking at Abir Yaakov, which is the mighty one of Yaakov. And I noticed, first of all, that these words have four letters. So I saw four and four, and I thought, I want to look at the first letter of each word, and I want to look at the last letter of each word. And if you look at the last letter of each word, you have the word Rav, which tags back to your point about Rabbi that you brought up previously, earlier in this podcast. And then also the word For Rav is bar. You know, if you reverse that word and bar is literally the word son, you know, and so uh, what I what I always like to point out when people go, oh, call no man rabbi. It's like, okay, well, first of all, yes, call no man rabbi, because you can't just go, oh, this is a cool guy. I want to call him rabbi. (laughs) But You know, first of all, is he a bar, i.e. a bar mitzvah? Like, is he a person who is accountable to the mitzvot? And second of all, does he inspire or draw out greatness and multiplication, not only within himself and his household, but in his community? Because the word for Rav all has to do with that. It literally comes from the section of be fruitful and multiply. This is why Hashem, well, Hashem obviously said it, but Mashiach vocalizes it by saying you shall know a tree by its fruit. So any tree that's not giving you proper fruit or rotten fruit, these would be the men, i.e., because men are like trees, So this would be the men that you don't call rabbi. If you want to call these men rabbi, then that would insinuate you enjoy eating rotten fruit, which is not going to get you very far because eating rotten fruit is not only gross, but it will obviously kill you because Mm -hmm. of sickness and disease. But if you have a tree who's giving forth good fruit and you get to partake of it, it nourishes you and that's what a rabbi should do. So uh, that is some elucidation to Yeshua talking about that. So these four letters, if you pair them up, you have the Aleph corresponding to the Yod, which you get the word, uh, you get the Gematria slika of 11. And in Parsha Kitavo, there is this 11 curses that is brought down. And remember, when we look at the curses, they're all about things that's done in private. And these things have hidden blessings within them. And so Mm -hmm. the mighty one of Yaakov has set a standard for us that we should choose life, which is obviously blessing, or we should choose death, which is obviously the curses. He says the choice is yours. And then he follows it up and gives no breathing time by saying, choose life, please, just do it. Like, it'll help you. I don't want you to die. I love you. Choose life, right? And so (laughs) you have this whole picture of the, the curses being converted into blessings. And how is that done through the Mighty One of Yaakov? Because only the Mighty One of Yaakov can redeem us from the curses. Only the Mighty One of Yaakov can literally take something from impurity and cause it to be pure. This is why we don't get to tell Hashem what we want to partake of and participate in if it's impure. If it's something Hashem has said, nope, this is inappropriate, I don't think, uh, not I don't think, but I have deemed this something that is impure. So unless Hashem says this is pure, you should do it, then that's the implications of that. Like So if we try to put our own agenda to it, it ain't going to work. Only the mighty one of Yaakov. So the next letters, you have the Bet, the Vet, and the Ayin. Which you put those together, mm-hmm. that's Av, which is the 72-letter name of Hashem. This is spelling what? out the divine name using yodes. So you have the Yod, Vav Dalet, Hey Yod... Vav, Yod, Vav, uh, Hey, Yod. So the gematria of that, 72. And then when you look at the 72, it's all about literally the fullness and the expression of who Hashem is. So there's that. And then um, you have the next pair. You have the Kuf and you have the Yod which is 110 and I immediately thought about the 110 year exile in Mitzrayim. And so uh Pirkei de Rebi Eliezer has a beautiful drop on how is isn't it 430 is it 400 is it 80 you know nine like I forget what the other uh number was but like around those numbers and then uh, 110 was one of them. And so when you look at the length of the Egyptian exile, it was all mitigated off of Shuva, off of tears, off of, you know, what were we really doing? You know, because we got out of exile only through Hashem's might, i.e. the mighty one of Yaakov. So just kind of looking at that. And then when you look at the Kuf and when you look at the Yod, you have the hundred, which is the hundred Brachot, that we should strive to recite every day, and then you have the Yod, which is the Ten Commandments, which includes the 613. So if you're being observant in the Torah mitzvot and reciting the hundred brachot, you know, you're finding yourself inside of the One who is the Mighty One of Yaakov. And then, obviously, we talked about the Resh and the Vet. So that all led me because I looked at the gematria of Resh Vet, which is Rav, which is where we get the word Rabbi. It's two o two, and two o two is uh, also the gematria of the word for strive, which is the word Riv. As we uh, say, you know, Hashem, may you champion our fight and her- speedily redeem us. You know, as we pray in the Shemone Esrei. And so you have yeah. this idea of contender. So one of the Gematriot uh, pointed me in the direction of the Tehillim, and it was in Tehillim 20, verse 2, and it's Umi Zion, like, and from Zion. So you have Vav Mim Zion, and that is obviously Mashiach Ben Yosef. So the Vav Mashiach, the Mim, the Torah. Zion Yosef. Uh hang on. Are you there? Yes, I'm there. Oh, okay. My phone went crazy for a second. Okay. So Hi. as I was uh just looking at that, I was just looking in the tehaleen for some commentary. And what is going on? Stand by technical things going on here let me plug in my phone see if that helps all right yes okay so uh so really quick i just want to finish up by saying this so it is uh this is from telling 19 so i backed up a chapter and looked at verse uh three which is all about the torah the scripture the mishnah And all of that, it says day to day they express their speech. And night to night they convey knowledge. And it says the night is the exile. This is brought down by the Chassidut. And it says, but the night of exile when prophecy was no longer. Yet even in this night, knowledge is conveyed a divinely inspired intuition is conveyed to our souls. So Mm. during this time of exile, we can still receive prophecy even though prophecy does no longer exist because we're in exile and it's nighttime. That's why Yeshua said, let us work while it is still day because night is coming. But for those of us who are continuing to cleave and attach ourselves to the mighty one of Yaakov, Abir Yaakov, then we get to still experience what normally happens during the day, even at night. And I would like to just say, this is the, the secret. I wouldn't say secret, but this is the explanation of the stone that was in the ark that shone brightly for Noach and his household during the time where there was no sunlight, where there was no day, when they were in exile, as they were floating in the flood waters, during the time of the great flood. Wow. Okay, so your turn.
1: No, I love that. I mean, that's you know, and you mentioned this whole word for, for secret, you know, it says. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, I might say secret, because as you're elucidating this word of Avir of, of Yaakov, you know, the, the mighty one of Yaakov. Yes. You were talking about the, the Yud and the, the Kuf together. And this is the word that's, if you're looking at those, like the four letters, how you're doing paralleling to the next set of letters in the other word. Like yes. Alif with the Yud, the Beit uh, with the Ayin, the, the Yud with the Kuf, and the Resh with the Vav. Uh, okay. So these are the closest set of letters to "raz," like the the, the rabbi. Yes. and it's interesting because the secret, the secret gematria of the chuf would be a resh and a zayim, which spells the word "raz," which is a secret. Oh, what it's connected to is the yud. Wow, and so it's like the the secret of the the. Of yud, you could read the yud of the yud of Hashem's name, or you could read the yud of the beginning of of everything, right? Because yud we mentioned is the is the the crown of every single letter. Every start, because the yud is essentially a point. So every time you go to write any Hebrew letter, or really any letter period, you start with an initial point. You start with an initial yud. Right. Um, <laughs> it's the foundation. So it's like the the secret of Hashem and the secret of his uh, manifestation, if you will. Yes. It all starts with this little yud, and then it's entering it's that the next word, word is is rav, like rabbi. Wow. You know, it's like it has the same, because you have, um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely interesting. So, like, the strong one is the mighty one of Yaakov, and almost like the, his might is his his ability to expand himself and to manifest himself and to lower himself and to meet all people on their levels, which is a whole concept of the sadiq in of itself, is to descend in order to help others ascend. It's, if you were to put this in, um, I guess a uh, a common inspirational phrase, it's it's like you know don't look down on people unless you're helping them up, you know. Wow. If you're you know. It's like kind of pulling people up, reaching your hand down and pulling people up. And just, I guess that kind of leads into one of the practical takeaways is that, you know, uh, and Rob Nachman's famous for saying this, is this whole idea of there's no such thing as despair.
2: Mm.
1: Because him is always going to help us, even through our most difficult situations, even when we've, we've fallen completely, he's always going to make a way to help us through it. Thank you. And so. we just have to have Amunah and, and, and trust and that he's, he's going to bring the redemption.
0: Amen. And
1: he's, that in this time we have right now, we, we have the opportunity to relate to him on such a deep level. We have the opportunity to be friends, like literally considered friends of him. This is why the Talmudim, rejoiced and went out with happiness when they were whipped by the Sadducees and persecuted by the Sadducees. Wow. Before, before, you know, the Pharisee, Rabbi Gamaliel came and saved them so they wouldn't be killed by them, by the Sadducees. Um, Goodness. Yeah, but this is why they went out with joy because, you know, uh, when, whenever we, we suffer for Shem's sake, And we accept that suffering, you know, then we are considered friends of God. And so Yeshua's words were fulfilled for them at that time when he says, no longer I call you as as servants, but I call you friends. And in that context, he's talking about the suffering he has to go through and that the Talmud is not greater than his his rabbi and that they're also going to have to go through that suffering. And so this is the aspect of why he calls them friends as well. Because they're going through the suffering on account of Him. And, you know, especially the life of, of being a Jew, we're going to have to endure that as well and just be joyful in those, in those moments of, of persecution and be thankful of them. Because it's not that people are just persecuting us. It's, a, it's we can have the, a different set of eyes to see that this is Hashem giving us merit that we might be called His
2: friends. Mm.
1: And I, I don't. I don't mean that in a term of that we would lack reverence for him, But in a term, but we would understand him on a on a deeper level. We say in these the liturgy, you know, Avino yes. Melchano.
2: Like
1: yes, he's our king and we revere him, but he's also our father, and we have this deep, deep relationship with him. Wow. Um, there's a couple things and that are mentioned. The half Torah mentions. Um, here also that we are taken on our, our redemption. Mm-hmm. And this is in verse 22. It says, um, I'll lift up my hand to your people's intimating to them to bring the Jews back and to that end I'll raise my banner to the nations. They will bring your sons in their arms and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. <laughs> and so the Midrash actually emphasized that you know, there's different means of transportation for men and women. And so that would not conflict with the laws of Sunut.
0: Wow. And so, Come on. Yeah,
1: so it's like, uh, for modesty, the woman would be carried in the arms of the nations. And even concerning the soldier's suit does not state uh, the khatef directly on the shoulders, but rather all the on seats above the soldiers' shoulders. And so it's just different, different, you know... Uh, Seeding in this when he, the of uh, the redemption comes, that you know modesty is going to be something that's very important to Shem. Separation of of men and women is something important to Shem. So just to prepare for that moment,
0: and <laughs> and that's and what be we call. Modest. Oh, so what's that? that? I was just saying, uh, just for the technical definition, in case anyone comes across it, is shomer nagia. So that means guarding of the touch. Yes.
1: And so it, it, it's tended that, you know, that guarding of the touch and, and laws of modesty, you know, and just a of that, like, men, you know, single or married, you're only touching women who are your wife. You know, women, you're only touching men for your husband. It's, it's like this idea that that is alluded to bringing the redemption. Wow. It's associated with it. Um, and so just all all these things that might not be like necessarily like connected with our culture,
2: Mm
1: uh, like the culture that we established, uh, might not be something that's common to us. We might not understand it, but, uh, if we do it, we are aiding in the guula and this, this whole redemption. And, and on that note, you know, we're approaching Rosh Hashanah, we're approaching, you know, this day where we're going to be judged for our, our year and judging you to come. And Rabbi Twersky has this to comment on this. And so you say, me you know, like what, like, I don't understand that. Why do I only have to I'll make, even if I'm just shaking hands, like, why do I have to observe this? Well, it's because we talked about this whole idea of a hope of a law we don't understand. Mm. And so, Christi says this, um, on this comment of how are we going to be forgiven for sins that like, like it makes no sense that we would be forgiven for them. Like I understand, we do that we do this, uh, but what if? What about all the times we outwardly rebel, just blatantly? You know, how are we going to forgive him for these sins?
2: Mm.
1: And it says, when there's no logical plea that can offset the sin of defiance, then God considers our observance of those of His laws that are beyond our understanding and cleanses us with His justice. Wow. And just to highlight this, this again it says, God relates towards men as man relates toward God, if we observe those divine decrees that are beyond our logic, then God responds by forgiving all our sins, even when there is no logical basis for forgiveness. So over here saying, you know, like, why, um, it doesn't make much sense that I have to wash before, after bread, and it doesn't make much sense that I have to say, you know, I have to law, observe the laws of, of of modesty and all that implies, or nidah, or... or these seats, really whatever it is. Right. You know, that you're put in a perfect opportunity. You don't understand it. Do it <laughs> because the shem's going to relate to you the same way you relate to him. Yeah. If you show him this, a of grace that, Hey, you said it, so I'm going to do it. You know, he's going to relate to you the same way and show this abundant forgiveness. If you show him this abundant faith, faithfulness. And so just to prepare us for, you know, um, Rosh Hashanah, and you know, other than that, just this this idea of of just like um allowing our 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 Torah and not just what we study, what we pray, but our lifestyle to be that that which would pour life into um, not just ourselves, not just our family, but you know our community, those around us, those who know us. Um, because this is this is the essence of what tour is. It's supposed to be something to bring life and bring joy,
0: as as we mentioned. And so, um, um yeah, Rukashem. So, just a, a <laughs> word of balance, not necessarily a word of caution, but you know, uh, don't go around making people feel awkward with the whole "I can't touch you" uh, thing. So there is a uh, a delicateness that you want to make sure that you apply as you seek to uphold being Shomer Nagia so that you don't uh, mm. end up shaming people away from the kingdom. So, you know, while yeah. Hasis and I do really support the Shomer Nagia and as much as we can do it, let's let's all do that. But let's also be mindful of, you know, how we present ourselves and how we come across. So again, we don't want to shame people, and it's actually not uh, appropriate to embarrass people in public anyway. So, um, let's sure. So let's just you know, sure. like, that. oh, sorry, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I was just wanting to just double back on, you know, balancing it, but definitely. No, I, I, I love, I
1: love that you, you brought this point because, you know, it mentions and we mentioned earlier that sometimes the worst enemy of Jewish people is ourselves. Right. It comes from within thinks and that's not necessarily to point fingers at, you know, the sad the Sadducees of the Past or the Hellenists or you know, any of these people. Um, but it's also like it comes from within, like within ourselves. Yep. And so we mm-hmm. have to be be cautious of, of how we go about doing things. And you know, when it mentions rebuking uh rebuking your brother, or whatever Next to that, it's mentioned you shall not bear a sin because of him. Mm. And what that's mean is, like, essentially don't embarrass him when you rebuke him. There's a process you go about. If you see someone and you're in a group setting and someone's doing something wrong, don't call him out on him right then. You can go to him in private. Oh, because if you embarrass him in public, that's something that's, that's huge in Shermayen. Way worse than probably whatever he's doing man. at that moment. And so, like I said, we have to understand that we have to fight the enemy within ourselves and really take into account, you know, as we approach Rosh Hashanah, you know, Day of Judgment, Day of Karni Hashem King, just really take some time to reflect, write down if we need to, um, what we struggle with, what what we've succeeded at, so that we could, uh, you know, just make the most of our teshuva, most of our return to Hashem.
0: Amen. Well, this will conclude our Hafterah podcast. So, Hazis Todara Rabbah for your insights and Yahshua Koach. And may Adonai bless you and your household. And to all of our listeners, we bless you in the name of Yeshua. And we pray that all divine sparks are gathered in. And we pray that we soon see the final redemption in our days, swiftly in our times, Bim Hera ve Amenu Amen veame ame, Baruk Haba Beshem Adonai Baruka Adonai Elohinu Melekhaulam Zur Ko Haolamim, Zadik Beko Hadorot Hael Haneman, Haumerveose Hamdaber Um Kayem, Shekol Devarav emet Vazedic, Neeman Atahu Adonai Elohenu ve'ne'emanim, Emanim, Devareka. Ved echad, midvarecha varecha lo yashu vrecham, ki el melek neeman verakaman ata, baruk ata adonai, ha el haneeman, beko deborav, Biskut mashia kishua, amen. Amen.